Well, hello, my friends. Let's talk about God's warranty. This episode is entitled God's Warranty. Let's look at the lady in 2 Kings, the fourth chapter. 2 Kings, the fourth chapter, we find a Shunammite woman, the Shunammite woman here, she's known as in the Bible. And if there's a character or a person, I, she's more than a character, she's a person that from the Old Testament who I'd like to spend time with, I would want to talk to her about her experience. She, among others, I would definitely want to talk to about her experience with um, with faith and with her promise. Oftentimes we have a promise from God and something goes wrong with the promise, but we have to learn how to let go and to let God have his way and we have to learn how to take it back to God oftentimes we try to figure things out for ourselves and we try to fix them but what this woman does is amazing the entire chapter four of second kings is an amazing chapter in the bible and one that should be read in its totality but I'm only going to deal with a portion of it some years ago I decided that I would Uh, purchase a car that was my dream car at the time and so going into another state I purchased this car and there's a testimony about how I went in just to tell a little bit about it I went in to purchase one car but then I ended up getting a car cheaper that had more value to it and had more perks and so I'm driving back to my state and as soon as I cross the state line the service engine soon light comes on I'm thinking at that particular time that, oh my God, I didn't tighten the gas cap on the car enough when I got gas at the last stop. And so this light persists in coming on. And so I persist to take it to the dealership. And every time I take it to the dealership, we think that we fixed the problem. And so we put brand new parts on the car over and over again. The car is covered under warranty. So I'm thinking as long as it's under warranty, I'm going to keep taking it back. And so I knew that the enemy was trying to frustrate my faith because the miracle that had happened for me to get this vehicle was just, I knew that God wanted me to have this car and I was not giving up on that. So I was steadfast and I had a tenacious faith about it. And I, and I just kept praying about it and knowing that God was going to um, help me with the patience that I needed to persist through this. Well, in the end, um, there was a, filter that needed to be changed out on the car and this particular filter only uh, cost about 12 anywhere from 12 to 14 dollars so can you imagine I had a 12 to 14 dollar problem that was causing the service engine soon light to come on as soon as that filter was installed in the car I had absolutely no problems with that car. I am still driving that car today. And that car is a 2006. Of course, I have another vehicle, but I still love that car. That car is part of uh, my testimony. And I just love driving the car. The fact that we're in 2019 and I can still drive the car, which is 13 years old, it's still pretty much holding up for me. But I told that testimony because sometimes we have a problem with our promise and I knew what God had promised me. And that's why I went over to the the other state and I purchased that car because I talked to God before I drove over there and I knew what God had told me to do. I had a conviction about what God told me to do after I'd prayed. And so I followed God's directions and I moved on it. 
When you have a promise from God and something goes wrong with your promise, you have to be steadfast in your faith to know that God is going to move in that situation. But you've got to constantly give it back to God. You've got to be consistent in your prayers and make sure. And I say constantly give it back to God. And I don't mean as if you're constantly taking it away from God. I mean, in consistency, making sure that you're saying, God, whatever problem they present me with, because every time I'd go to the dealership and they present me with uh, the car back, I just give it right back to God. And I'd say, God, this is, this is yours to fix. But this woman in second Kings, oh my God, this woman, what she does blesses me. And I just, I just love it. So the man of God, Elisha passes through and so as he's passing through, she constrains him to come into her home and to eat bread. And so as he comes in uh, continually, you know, he passes by continually. She finally says to her husband, she gets his consent to make a little chamber for the prophet. And so she says, you know, hey, why don't we do this? And of course, her husband says, sure. So they give him a bed, a table, a stool and a candlestick. And he comes in. And he's thinking, how can I give back to her? Because she's been so kind to me. And so he calls his servant Gehazi in. And when he calls Gehazi in, he says, I want you to go and ask that Shunammite woman. What is it that we can do for her? And so she says, nothing. You know, I live. I'm cool. I live among my people. I have what I need. There's nothing that I need. Thank you anyway, though. You know, she kind of does that. And she's like, you know. I, I didn't do what I did for, for you all, you know, to get anything. It's just, you know, the kindness of my heart. And so when Gehazi goes back and he tells Elijah, you know, she really doesn't want anything. And so he says, but what is it that you see that we can do for her? Gehazi answers Elijah. And he says, verily, she hath no child and her husband is old. So verse 15 of chapter four of second Kings, this is what happens. Elijah says, call her. And when he had called her, she stood in the door. The man of God begins to prophesy, uh, prophesy to her. And he says to her, uh, about this season, according to the time of life, thou shalt embrace a son. And she said, nay, my Lord, thy man of God, don't lie to me. Don't lie to thine handmaid. Have you ever in your life wanted something so bad? It didn't happen. And you had a lot of disappointments that were affiliated with what you wanted. So you learned how to just move beyond it and just live your life without it. Have you ever been in a place in your life where you were just like, I've had enough disappointments regarding this. So I'm just going to learn to live without it. I'm just going to settle here. I'm not going to drive myself crazy about this anymore. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm good with it. I'm good with it as it is. That's perhaps where this woman was. She was probably at the point of, you know what? My husband is getting old. I don't have a son. So the best that I can do is do good for others so that if he dies before um, before me, I would have done good and put that seed into other people. And maybe they'll remember me and help to take care of me or be there for me. I live among my family. I'll treat them right. So they'll help. maybe this is the way that she's thinking about things. But after the man of God prophesies to her, she conceives, she bears a son at the season that Elijah said unto her, according to the time of life. Verse 18, and when the child was grown, it fell on a day that he went out to his father, to the reapers. Verse 19, and he said unto his father, my head, my head. And he said to the lad, carried him to his mother. Daddy realizes this is not my promise. This is her promise. So he sends the child back to the mother and 
a tragic thing happens. And when he had taken him and brought him to his mother, he sat on her knees till noon and then he died. Mm. Disappointed, maybe, but she doesn't give up. What do you do when it seems like your dreams are shattered? What do you do when it seems like all hope is gone? When your promise has died, what do you do? You've got to remember that it's still a promise. That's what you've got to do because it's a promise and that promise comes with the warranty. Remember I told you I kept taking that car back to the dealership because they were, they knew that car. They knew that car. They were trained on that car. They were the people who sold that car. I took it back to that particular dealership because they were the ones who were, uh, they, they, they were the actual company who manufactured and knew about that vehicle. So I took it back to them. When God gives you a promise, it is God who has created that promise for you. So you got to learn how to take your problem with your promise back to the God who created the promise for you in the first place. And so that is what we see that is unique to this chapter that this woman does. We have got to learn the lesson of what she did. The child is dead. I want to be very clear with you. The child is dead. She could have said, let's get ready to bury him. She could have gotten bitter with the man of God and said, you know what? I, I told you not to play with me. I told you not to promise me this. You didn't even have to call me and, and tell me that that day, but you pulled me into your doorway and you told me she didn't do any of that. She just knew that what God's man told her had happened. And now there's a problem. So she says, you know what? I'm going to take it back to the source that told me that I was going to have this promise. So what this woman does is what we have to do. Watch. It says, it says, and she went up and laid him on the bed of the man of God and she shut the door upon him and went out. So in her home, she takes the son, she puts him on the man of God's bed that she had prepared the bed chamber and she laid it there. She laid the child there. But now she goes and she doesn't take the child to, to the, um, she doesn't take the child to the man of God, but she takes him the problem. <laughs> she takes the problem and she presents it to him. Here it is in verse 22. She says, it says, and she called unto her husband and said, send me, I pray thee, one of the young men and one of the asses that I may run to the man of God and come again. And he said, where are you going? Why are you going? It's not the new moon nor Sabbath. And she said, it shall be well. That's what I want you to hear in verse 23. This woman says, it shall be well. She's speaking those things that be not as though they were. Her son is in that bedchamber. He is dead. He has not been brought back to life yet, but that is her promise. But she's taking the problem right back. She does not throw her, pro her promise away. She keeps her promise because it is given unto her, but she takes the problem with her promise and she says, I'm taking it back to the source. So that's what she does. She gives, she goes and she says, you know what? It shall be well. She speaks and she's got, she doesn't go back to the man of God as if I'm hoping and a praying. She goes back knowing that when she gets to him, something is going to happen and it's going to be for her good. Verse 24 says, then she saddled an ass 
and said to her servant, Drive and go forward. Slack not thy riding for me, except I be, bid thee. This woman is about serious business. She's like, we got to get there. We're on, look, we're on a mission. We got to get there and we got to get to him now. Verse 25. So she went and came unto the man of God to Mount Carmel. And it came to pass when the man of God saw her afar off that he said to Gehazi, his servant, behold, yonder that uh, is there. There's the Shunammite. Now. This is what I wanted to get to. Verse 26. I'm not going to read the rest of the chapter, although it is well worth you reading. But I want you to see the transition between verse 23 and verse 26. Verse 23, she ends it with her husband saying, it shall be well. Watch what happens now with her verbiage in verse 26. Run now, I pray thee, to meet her, is what Elisha tells Gehazi. And say unto her, is it well with thee? Is it well with thy husband? Is it well with, with the child? And she answered, it is well. Now this woman who told her husband it shall be well is now saying it is well. Because when she makes it back to the man of God who gave her the promise and she laid her eyes on him. She knew that there was hope for her situation. She knew that things were going to turn around. And that's how we have to be when we take the problem with our promise back to God. We got to hold on to our promise because God gave it to us. And we've got to understand, here's the problem, God. And God, I need you to fix the problem because I can't handle it. It's, a, it, it's beyond me, Lord. But God, if I give it back to you, I'll get my promise back because my promise is my promise. And when you know your promise is your promise, you'll stand on the word of God because the promises of God in him are what? Yes and amen. Yay and amen. And so she takes it back to, to the man. We've got to take it. She takes it to the man of God. We got to take it back to God. We've got to learn how to take it back to God. We got to get there with a tenacious faith that says that, you know what, God, you did it before and you'll do it again. We serve an encore God. He's that type of God that. You know, if God's ever done anything for you, you should know that God can keep doing keep doing things for you. And so I pray that you understand that God's warranty is a lifetime warranty. There is no expiration date on God's warranty. It's for a lifetime. It's not like you're going to get a call and say, hey, uh, there's an expiration date on your promise and you're going to have to renew it. No. No, once God promises you something, that's it. No, no calling, no getting it renewed, no supplemental um, anything to supplement for your warranty because there are no substitutions in God. When God says he's going to do something, that's exactly what God's going to do. If God gives you something and you incur a problem with it, then give it back to God because I promise you that God can fix it. That's why I took my car back to that dealership because they should have been able to fix that car because it was the dealership that had built it. And so that dealership should have known how they should have been very clear about how to fix it. Let me tell you about our God. He is our creator and whatever's broken in our life. Our God definitely can handle it. This has been your 365 God podcast. I hope that you'll join me again.